You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, sharing testimonies and putting purpose to pain. My name is Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. The Over a Drink podcast um, remote edition. I am actually I'm sitting in a hotel in Kansas City. As I speak, I was going to say as we speak, but it's more just me talking to you. Um, this is something that it's a dream that I've been like, I travel a, a decent amount for my work and I end up like sitting in a hotel board doing nothing or drawing or I find a lifetime fitness and I go work out and sit in a sauna and whatever. But I'm being productive with it um, or actually constructive um, maybe is the right word. I'm really excited about this. So. It's, again, the second edition of the video of this podcast. And so if you are listening to this, go on YouTube, look up the Overdrink podcast, click subscribe, and you can look at my ugly face, talk to really pretty people like my guest, Cam, tonight. Um, Cam is an... uh, The last two people... I, I don't know if I just give off a first impression that's like, hey, I want to talk to you more. But I met him once in a in a church lobby. He's a friend of a friend. And now we're coffee pen pal friends. We send coffee bags back and forth to each other. Um, and he's super cool. He lives in Lexington, uh, Kentucky. He and his wife and his daughter um, all live out there. And Cam has from afar become a good friend of mine we talk shoot cam how i mean every other day probably or like every Something third like <laughs> some like some un un some weird amount um for the fact that we've met each other in person once for about an hour um but i really appreciate cam um i, I appreciate through our conversations he he's very grounded in what he and what he believes in. And he's he's one of those people that I love that he just gave me off mic an entire lesson on why bourbon is bourbon, why New York pizza is New York pizza, why coffee is coffee, why I should buy a fellow gooseneck. He is a, and I don't mean this in any kind of negative way, I love the word nerd. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I love the word nerd. He is a nerd about the technical details of things. Um, I Would you say that's true, Cam? I would say it just depends on the thing. I feel like with anything in life, you can go 50 levels deep on it. And I'm comfortable going 10 levels on everything. Okay. So you're just, you, but regardless, you like to dig and learn, um, which I think is super cool. This is the first time in a while uh, that the Over a Drink podcast includes an actual drink um, in my, in Cam is drinking hot water because I asked him why he said, actually, I'll let him tell you why in a second. I am a diamond member at Hilton. And so I get a $15 credit to the hotel bar and or restaurant. And I had a $15 credit and I got a $15. This drink is $15, but it is a whiskey something. Um, So all that to say, we are how far into this far enough for me to say, Cam, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm, I'm super stoked that you're here. Dude, glad to be here. Glad to be here. You got your, you got your 
whiskey drink. I got my hot water. Why are you drinking hot water? I wanted a nighttime drink that I could have all the time. Um, that I could have multiple of. I had times where I had like six or seven coffees at night just because I enjoyed having the hot drinks. And sometimes those nights of sleep didn't go too well. So I switched over to honey lemon water. And then I ran out of either honey or lemon juice. And then I just had hot water. And the first time it was kind of eh. And then from there, I just said, I'll just kind of keep doing this. And now uh, pretty much every night I boil a kettle of hot water and get that going. And uh, Rebecca and I, Rebecca will have tea sometimes, or sometimes she'll have hot water with me and we'll sit on the couch and we call it hot water topics where we uh-huh. just like sit and chat. And she's like, what's the hot water topic of tonight? That's amazing. Hot water topics. And you said her name, Rebecca. Um, yeah. Tell me, so I'm going to do a little, like a, a longer than normal intro really quick, just um, because I want to, and I have a mic. So um, tell me about your family. Yeah, so it's me, my incredible wife, Rebecca, and our beautiful little 15-month-old daughter, Cora. Um, Rebecca and I met at college, and uh, I she actually saw me. This is a funny story. So um, I'm a year older than her. I was a freshman okay. in college, and she was a senior in college, and I went to a basketball game at our university and she went to the basketball game too on like a she went to go visit the school with her sister so she was a senior in high school she was a senior in high school and i was a freshman in college she went to a basketball game saw me and she's like oh hey there's that guy i think that guy's cute then fast forward to august where she's a freshman in college and i'm a sophomore in college and i'm leading the pep rally for all the freshmen who are coming into the college like 3,000 people, I'm up on top of a statue in front of the student the student union at our college, like leading everyone in cheers and chants and welcoming them to Missouri State. And she's like, look, it's the guy from, uh, from that basketball game that I thought was cute. And then a week later, she came to the campus ministry that I went to, and she's like, oh, look, it's the same guy, but he's also praising the Lord. She's like, I'm in. Did she shoot her shot or did you shoot yours? Oh, no, she just was chilling for about six months, and then she caught my eye and slid in the DMs. Ooh, and then you guys made a baby after you got married. Um, (laughs) Practiced for a while and then then did the baby thing. Yeah, nothing like some practice, you know? Um, Nothing makes old people at church more uncomfortable than they're like, when are you guys having a baby? And you're like, oh, no, we're just practicing right now. And they're like, I will never ask you again when you're having a baby or when you're having your second baby. That's my new thing. It's like, when the, when's the second baby coming? I said, we're just practicing for the second one right now. <laughs> I love that. Um, just practicing. See, here's the thing. My mom, I learned, listens to my podcast, and so does my mother-in-law. And so now when I talk about sex things, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. So I like it when you do because that makes – You need to put their picture on on the microphone. I learned how to do – Oh, I'm talking to them. Uh, I've got to pretend like they're in the room but uh, because they're eventually going to be. Um, gosh, dang it, Cam. Okay, and so that's your wife, that's your daughter. What do you do for work? 
So I'm an athletic trainer, which is for some of the people that don't know, if you watch a football game, someone gets hurt. I'm the person that runs out on the field and I'm like, hey, are you okay? And they're like, no. And then we fix that problem. <laughs> um, so you I do that at a local Christian high school and I've been an athletic trainer for seven years. Super cool. Uh, so that's why you have a weird schedule. We're podcasting right now at 1030 Eastern time which is your time in Kentucky yeah. and I'm at 9:30 Eastern time here in Kansas City where I'm currently selling gloves um or trying to um so you're an athletic trainer you're actually tell me what your daughter did this last week that was super cool bro she just started to learn how to walk which is wild because everyone's been giving me such a hard time about it why? I'm an athletic trainer and I work in athletics. They're like, oh, she's 14 months. She should be running a 6540 by now. You know what I have to say to those people? Screw you. Yeah. Um, that just annoys me. That just annoys me because, like, ba- all babies develop at different rates. And why would they give you grief about. I want to punch everyone in the face. That's, that's mm. just how people are. But, you know, at the end of the day, it just. You know, when I see my daughter develop, my daughter's developing in so many different areas. Like yeah. she's recently been teething a lot. So she's getting Ooh. a really runny nose. And we'll literally give her the tissue and say, wipe your nose. And at 15 months, she'll wipe the nose by herself. And we, she did that at church the other day. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, she's wiping her nose. She's so smart. But you can't walk yet. How dare you, Kim? You work, you what work are you in, doing wrong? You work, in the, you work in the body. You should You should be teaching her how to walk. Oh, my gosh. That makes me want to throw up. I think that's so cool. There's there's something about when your daughter does something cool that you're like, everybody needs to see what she's doing right now. Like she's doing this cool nose wiping thing. I'm going to record it and I'm going to send it to all of my friends and all of my family to for them to tell me that your daughter is pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she is. That's so cool. Um, okay, Cam. So we talked about this. I told you I was going to do an elevator thing. Let's do that really quick. So since we already got family stuff, we got work stuff. I want to know who Cam is. So you, and I know that you, as I just know you, that those two things take up a large part of what you're passionate about and what you love. And like, those would be the first things that came if I said, hey, describe Cam. So we've already covered them. I want to know who Cam is standing alone remove work and family from identity you have four flights of stairs that you are going up but there is a lady with a dog that is barking at you and she's pressing every button because she is a very similar you know how people say that their dogs look like them she's very similar to her annoying dog that's barking so she's just like spazzing and hitting all the buttons so you have like a like 40 seconds of time. Mm-hmm. So if people want to really know who I am on my whiteboard at work, I have written the four things that I'm most passionate about. And it's number one, uh, being an apprentice of Jesus. Number two, having incredible relationships. Number three, being a healthy old guy. And number four, um, discovering the new, which is pretty much just saying, I want to continually do new things in my life. So I try to orientate myself around those four things, which I'm most passionate about. Dude, good answer. And that was so much quicker than I thought. And I feel like I know you better. That's, did you prepare for that? I feel like I didn't give you any, you do listen to the podcast. So you probably knew that was coming. Did you prepare for that? 
Not particularly. I mean, I just have those four things written on my board, so I look at them every day. So, <laughs> Dude, you rock. Um, okay, so the premise of this podcast, um, the purpose of this podcast is to normalize normal men talking about normal things. I believe that sharing your testimony and talking about things that have been causes of shame in your life should be a normal conversation. And so that's what this is. Um, that's what you're here for. I believe that your testimony has power. I'm excited to dive into it. And I, I want it to be Holy Spirit led. And so I want uh, you to jump in. I think our testimony is, <clears throat> it's never finished. I, be, I I like the picture of we're on a highway and we're just like cruising along. Um, and I want to know, uh, Doesn't that's not to say that there's not curves on the highway. And that's not to say that there's not hills and, detours and accidents along the way but like i would love to hear your story wherever you're being led to um holy spirit derived and um obedient uh where where and i guess not even where and just where do you want to jump in um the floor is yours yeah so i'm you know thinking about that praying about that today knowing that this podcast was coming up and it really led me to uh an idea that i don't think we talk about a lot um, in our lives we think about um certain moments but we don't really think about this idea that um i kind of coined and we did some time in my life group talking about it but this idea of spiritual nostalgia okay. where we think about like nostalgia like you you know listen to older music and you're like oh what a great time or um, you know, you look back at pictures of, you know, the younger years and be like, oh man, I wish we were back then. But we don't really, we think about our spiritual lives. We don't really think of nostalgically about it. But if you mm -hmm. think back on your lives, um, there are so many times where you can think about like, man, this was an amazing moment where like God did something amazing. And looking back on that, those are the moments that really build your faith, those moments that you can be nostalgic about spiritually. And then with the idea of that is, uh, you know, when you recognize that spiritual nostalgia is a thing, it's an opportunity for you to say, what are the things that I can do now to create spiritual nostalgia next month? What are the, the opportunities that I can put myself in now to say, man, I experienced God in another new way going forward. So, Dang. so I think when I think about my testimony, sorry if I'm jumping in, but when yeah. I think about my testimony, the thing that the Holy Spirit was kind of speaking to me today is like, um, they talk about like exponential growth. Yeah. Where it's, you know, a gentle start at the beginning and then it slowly curves up and then it's just more and more and more and more. And I just thought of my testimony today as um, an exponential curve of spiritual nostalgia. Explain. Where if I look back at Cam at 15, mm -hmm. that year I probably had maybe one moment of spiritual nostalgia. Yeah. Like I was thinking of... Uh, I was thinking about, um, I think I was a sophomore in high school and, you know, growing up in the church my whole life, knowing the Lord, you know, got baptized at a young age um, because, you know, the other kids around church were getting baptized. And I was like, well, I understand what's going on. So I should also get baptized and, you know, thinking it, you know, I kind of understood it up here, but I didn't really get it in my heart. I think uh, Jonathan and Melissa Helzer have this uh, um, camp 
out in North Carolina. Um, have you heard of it before? Yeah, the head and the heart. Yeah, so they, like the... they, they call it the 18-inch journey. Yeah. It's the difference, yeah. that distance between your head and your heart. And, like, you can really know about God. You know, I grew up going to a Christian school. I grew up, you know, with the Bible being a huge part of my family. You know, we're the first people in the building, last people out of the building. And I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really have a lot of that heart tug. You know, it's like, I want to do things for God. I want to stop sinning. I want to stop dealing with, you know, habitual sin or, um, you know, being a better Christian or witnessing. But, you know, it was all head knowledge. And like when I was 15, we're at a summer camp. And it was the first time that I raised my hand um, during praise music. And Mm -hmm. I like remember looking back at that. And I was like, wow, because like, oh, like, I'm really praising the Lord in this moment. And then. I specifically remember like that was like a Friday and then we went back to our, our church. And then like the next Sunday morning we're singing and I'm sitting there and I'm singing. I'm like, I don't really feel like I like that same call to raise my hand again. Um, And I think I was, I was really disappointed because I was like, I don't feel God the same here as I did in that big moment, which is, you know, so like I think about I think about that cam at fifteen and how he thought about the Lord and I think about myself now and all the spiritual moments that I see in my life and how that's you know really taken me places. I see, you know, kind of that exponential curve where at fifteen I'm having one spiritual nostalgia moment spiritually nostalgic moment a year, where at twenty eight, like I've probably had like fifteen this last month. And it helps that you are um, how far down the road from uh, the most massive revival that has been covered in like... It was about 20 minutes, 20 minutes down the road. Will you will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, um, I've, you know, people listening to this probably have heard of Asbury. So 20 minutes down the road, it was happening. And all of the worship arts staff at my church are all Asbury graduates. Um, so mm. it hits really close to home for our church. And so that was really neat and to see different people from our church, you know, being able to be there and lead and um, people that um, are kind of from our church community being a part of like the leadership process with that. You know, I've seen like, oh, I've got a friend here. I've got an acquaintance here who's leading it. Like, uh, like I, um, every time I see him at coffee, Zach Meercreeps, the pastor who started had the sermon that started it, like I sit across from him at coffee probably like once or twice a month. Wow. So to see not just like for a lot of people, it's this move of God where it's really cool to see the presence of God move so powerfully and people be so hungry for that, which it is. But I think it's on one level really special for me because I get to see, I you know, I get to see someone that I know like be on the stage and be leading that. I also get to Mm. see someone who's on the worship team at my church lead worship worship at this event. um, You know, and then on top of that, my wife's grandma, grandpa, dad, aunt um, all went to Asbury. Wow. And uh, my daughter, Cora, is named after Cora Lee. Her first name is Cora and her middle name is Lee. But my wife's grandma, Cora Lee, um, who passed away a couple of years ago, we named our daughter after her. And if you go down underneath 
where you see all the videos of the revival, there's a giant circular hallway. And in that circular hallway, there is the picture of every single class of Asbury, where it has the, it has a big frame and then individual shots of every single person. And you go down there and my wife's great grandfather, aunt, great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother, like, or not great, great, but grandfather, great grandmother, great grandfather, and um, like great aunt, like their pictures are in that place. So it's not just this, you know, move of God, which, you know, I can talk about that as well. But like, it's this beautiful moment where it's like, I get to see the fruit of the labor of my family honoring the Lord being passed mm -hmm. down, not only to me, but to my daughter, and that she gets to grow up in this time where, you know, I, I've had this idea of like, she's a daughter of revival. Hmm. And it's like, that's the same thing for, for you and your daughter, Benny, as well. Like in the midst of revival, like she is a daughter of revival in this as well. Yeah. And to see her grow up in a time where the Lord is moving, where the spirit is moving. I mean, I was just watching my old church, uh, James River in Springfield, Missouri last night. Bill Johnson is there for this event called the Week of Power. And they're having six straight nights of four nights of Bill Johnson and two nights of another guy. But like they're they did a big pan out shot and Bill's like, put like wave your hands in the air. If the Lord at any point tonight has healed you. And there's like hundreds of people waving their arms in the air. So, so wow. to see like things happening at Asbury to see, you know, eight people at my church getting saved this last week to see hundreds of people over this course of the week of power at James River church moving, you know, it's seen all these amazing moves of God, not only happening here locally, but spreading out. I think yeah. it's cool to see, you know, see how that, the time that my daughter gets to grow up in is very exciting. And I think that that's so counter to what, man, you hear so, people, so many people being like, I'm afraid to have kids right now because of the world that we live in. And you're almost the opposite. You're like, I'm thankful that my daughter gets to grow up in this right now. Yeah. Like, I'm thankful but that she gets to be a part of Revival. Yeah, and I, I think it's beautiful that she gets to be a part of Revival, but it's also, um, like, I've been I've been diving so deep into uh, Michael Miller at the Upper Room the past probably year, and uh, I'm, dude, struck to the heart so many times, but this, this last week, he's they're doing a whole year on the table in communion, and it's been amazing, but he had this sermon called Fathers at the Table, and he's like, Fathers, yeah. it's your job to present the lamb to your family. Wow. And so, you know, when I think about like my time with my daughter, yes, she's growing up in a world that, you know, it could be crazy. It could be wild. It could be difficult for her to know the Lord. But if I'm consistently presenting the lamb to her and showing mm -hmm. her, you know, this is what a life with the Lord can look like, not just a life up here, but a life in here, you know, then you know, the spirit of revival still continues in my home. Wow. wow. And presenting her with like, cause you'd like, you just said, I think too, like she's living, she needs to know the spirit of revival to withstand because I was thinking, I was like, Oh man, it might get crazy and it might get like wild, but I, I like to believe that history is cyclical. I think people have like kind of just established that, that that is cyclical. And so if that's the case, then like we, I, maybe it's, 
I think that we're the Israelites and the Israelite story is just very similar to us as believers today. And I'm like, what would have been crazy during like that time? And I was like, okay, the, the exodus of Egypt, the, the God's people were not immune from a lot of those plagues. Like they were still in Egypt and there were frogs showing up in my bedroom and there were like all these things. Like we, The only one that they were like, immune from if i'm right do you tell tell me i believe was passover like and but that's all dependent on if you're following the lord yeah if you don't put the blood on your door passover you're not spared from the passover yeah and so spared from that angel of death coming and taking your firstborn and so it really just shows like the lord can be moving in a people but if you're not doing what the lord has called you to do in that season you're gonna miss it hmm yeah, and it's our job as fathers to teach our children to hear the voice of the Lord so that they can be obedient to do that. Yeah, and I think like when I think about my testimony, and I'll kind of bring it kind of back to that spiritual yeah. nostalgia kind of thing, um, and how that kind of relates to me as a father to like, for me, a really, really huge spiritually nostalgic moment that happened just a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, grew up in kind of a non-denominational Baptist background, and um, the idea of speaking in tongues was very like, I'm going to keep that way over here to me. Um, two specific things where I remember like being super uncomfortable just with the idea when I encountered it. Number one, I was a freshman in college. I was in Atlanta with a group with uh, Missouri State Chi Alpha. And every spring break, I was able to go on a spring break trip and do missions work with them. I remember we're sitting in like a donut shop. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And a couple people like right over here started to talk about speaking in tongues. And I just remember being so repulsed by that, I, like stood up and like moved like five chairs down and sat with some other people. Because it was something that I, I'm, I'm out on yeah. for that. And then um, for a couple of years, I shared a room with a guy uh, from the ministry. At one time, he was talking about speaking in tongues. And in the moment, I was a little curious about it but i never i never went for it i never like hey tell me more about that i need to learn more about that but i could see myself getting you know a little bit curious about it kind of in that head knowledge um and then we'll fast forward like four years from that i am at james river church i'm a member there i am volunteering in the youth group and we're getting ready for a spring retreat and this is when i was uh my i was my second year of grad school so I am just about to leave from uh, from Missouri and then move to Kentucky, you know, later that um, later that summer. And this is that spring retreat. And we're sitting and we're praying like um, we had pre-service prayer before Wednesday night youth. And we had this uh, retreat coming up. And one of the things on the prayer cards that they handed out, and they said, we're going to pray for retreat pray for what students are going to encounter in their lives and the encounter with the lord one of the things was that students will be filled in the holy spirit and at that point i'm like okay cool you know we can pray for that for students and um i'm sitting there and you know we're doing service and the pastor's speaking and we're just about done and i just so vividly remember the lord speaking over me like how can you be praying for something for the students that you've never asked for, oh, for yourself wow. and that was just so convicting. It was so convicting to sit there and, you know, the Lord called me out in that moment. And then in that 
moment, you know, I was praying for that for myself. Wasn't paying attention to what the pastor was saying. And I was on the prayer team to go up to the altar. And I remember walking up to the altar to pray for students and myself being baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time up there at the altar, waiting for students to respond to the altar call. And then because of that, you know, um, I was able to see my reception of that, be able to later at the spring retreat, be able to help guide students through that process, pray with them, talk with them when they were confused about that, because, you know, and that was an experience that I hadn't experienced for myself. Wow. And so, you know, you think about the process of that, of being repulsed by something, kind of intrigued by something, you know, asking the Lord for something, but then, you know, I've seen myself, you know, as my life has gone on, I can tell like, okay, I, I recognize when I haven't been led by the spirit, when I haven't like, there's a difference in my life when I don't give my voice to Mm. the spirit. And when I'm not consistently praying in the spirit, I can tell that my life isn't consistently led by the spirit because it's kind of like a muscle. Like when you go down that road, it's really like, it's kind of, you're going over the hill, like sliding, like you're going over the, the tipping edge and it's really easy to slide down the rest of the way when you've allowed the spirit to lead you in your prayer life, to lead you in the rest of your life. Wow. (laughs) I love that you're talking about tongues and the spirit, because that is something as you're, I'm looking on my, uh, everything. I'm trying to figure out his name. Um, Corey Russell. I'm sure you know that name. Um, was a pastor at Upper Room um, in Dallas, and then he moved up to Denver. He's actually at a church called Upper, I mean, it was Upper Room Denver. Now I believe they're called House Church. And he talks about speaking in tongues and how, like, he challenges the people in this sermon, like, every day for 20 minutes. Like, because if you're not in tune, like, as, like, for me, I grew up similar to you. Um. I mean, I grew up in a, and it it it'll paint the picture. I don't know how much it has to do with the tongues aspect, but I grew up in an all white church. You didn't raise your hands. You didn't. If you raised your hands, people were looking at you, and you're like, "Why are you raising your hands? Put your hands down!" Like the Holy Spirit. I didn't learn about the Holy Spirit till Francis Chan, um, Forgotten God. I read that book in college, and I was like, "There's a Holy Spirit." I've been going to church my whole life. Who the heck are you? Like. And so for you to talk about it, it's so real that like the, like the intimidation of it and like the important, but I think there's a reason that it's so like, there's such a stigma around it because like you're speaking to in terms of the importance, like the enemy doesn't want to speak in tongues. Like the enemy doesn't want us knowing what that is. And for you to go up to the altar, I think you touched on another good point. Like, asking for it like i was always so intimidated i married into a family where they grew up ag very charismatic they grew up in a church where if my if 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 my if we're talking spectrum and there's one end mine is on like the far end to the right theirs was like in the middle of service the pastor's preaching some lady stands up in one corner starts speaking in tongues another dude in the back right is like interpreting and yelling it across the room like that's what she grew up in and i'm like don't know what that is never seen that 
And so I was so intimidated to even be like, I'm not even a, I'm not a good Christian because I don't speak in tongues. And my brother-in-law does and my wife does and my mother and everyone's mm-hmm. speaking in tongues while we're praying. And I'm just like, what the heck are you doing? So I started asking for it and the Lord will give you like your heart's desires and like spiritual gifts. Like our prayer language is something that is real and it might look different for you, but like what Cam is saying is so real because I think there's an intimidation to ask for it because you don't want to feel silly because you don't, you haven't been like, can you describe, I mean, I know that you talked about like, what was your, you talked about going up to the altar and you talked about leading your students, but like, can you describe what was going on in your brain in that moment where, because I can think to when I, when I was baptized in the spirit and I was like, I can picture it in my head where we were, what was happening, like, but it also was like an out of body experience. At least mine was. Um, but like, can you speak to that moment? Yeah, I think I think the the weirdest, the easiest way to describe it is you're playing a video game in first person, but then the character is moving without you. Yeah. Because when I think it's super interesting, there's actually scientific studies done on people that pray in tongues. Really. They scan their brains. They scan someone who, I think it, they did two groups. They did like people who were doing the rosary and they did people who were speaking yeah. in tongues. And the people that were doing the rosary had the areas of their brain that were designed to activate when you're using language, turn on. So like if I'm speaking, there's a part of my brain that turns on when I'm speaking to you. When they scanned the brains of the people who are speaking in tongues, they were physically making sounds. Their tongues were moving, their face was moving, all that. But the area of language was completely dark. Whoa. And so it's this physical reality that it's like a it's a scientific confirmation of the physical reality that un, is an understanding of our spiritual reality. Like I'm praying in tongues, I'm letting the spirit speak through me, and I'm letting the spirit guide my prayer. I think you know when Paul talks about it, he says when you're praying in, in the spirit, you're praying the perfect yeah. will of God. And so for me, it's like when I don't know what to pray over something, I'll just pray in the spirit over it because I would rather pray the perfect will of God than fumble over my own words with that. And so like um, like another spiritually nostalgic moment, like when I was listening to Miller from Upper Room talk about prayer, he was like, I pray over pictures of my children in tongues because I would rather pray the perfect will of God over my children than my will for my wow. children. And wow. Like over the last couple of weeks, my daughter has been super, super, super fussy because she's getting so many teeth and she's not sleeping well and she's just uncomfortable, super snotty. And, you know, we'll have to go in, we'll have to get her, we'll have to rock her. And it's been so beautiful to see how calm she gets when I pray over her mm-hmm. in tongues. Like, obviously, it's a nice, like, little whisper, yeah. whispery yeah. tongues. So it's kind of like white noise <laughs> for her. But, like, to see her be like super, super fussy, I start praying and to see her just calm down. It's, Dang. you know, for me, I'm just seeing like, I'm seeing the spirit of God rest on my daughter and that give her comfort. And so like, when we're talking about like daughters of revival, like, Oh, I don't want to bring a kid into this world. Like, okay. It just depends on what environment you put wow. them in. Like I get to put my environment, my daughter in an environment at night when she's at her low point, like I'm bringing the Holy spirit into that wow. moment. And I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to rest on her. I think uh, I keep going back to Michael Miller just because he's been absolutely wrecking me. But in October, 
he spoke this message calling um, the Lord's desire for a resting place. And he talked about Eden and the tabernacle and the temple and how it's all like, if the Lord designed this, if the Lord like told all the builders of the tabernacle how to make the tabernacle, um, his design showed his desire that he does, like the omnipresent God desired a resting place in one space in mm -hmm. one time, which is a beautiful idea, yeah. right? But when we think about our churches, our homes, our lives, Miller said, the, the Lord lives in many churches, but rests in few. Wow. He lives in many homes, but rests in few. He lives in many hearts, but rests in few. And so since I've heard that, like one of my biggest prayers is that like my church is a resting place for the Lord. One of like, uh, um, my home is a resting place for the Lord. Like I am a resting place for the Lord that I don't just experience his presence coming and going. Hmm. Like when I was 15, I'm like, oh, in that one moment, I felt the presence of the Lord. And it was awesome because I had it for a second, but then it's gone. There's a difference between having an experience with the Lord and hosting his wow. presence continually. Wow. Like they talk about the, you know, the, the Levites and um, their job in the temple was to keep the fire burning, right? And um, a lot of times when you think about like even at Asbury, like the fire of revival, right? You know, the Lord can light the fire, but we need to keep the flame burning. Dang. Okay, Cam out here preaching. Um, that's amazing. I you're convicting me. I, I have, <clears throat> I have a question to feed off to keep the fire burning of that thought to play on your words. Um, what do you do in your home and in your life in your best attempt to be a place? Um, and I know, and we can say church too. I think church is a little bit more outside of your hands because there's a whole lot of other factors that are at play in whether your church is exactly. a resting place. But you have a pretty good grip on your home um, as the leader of your home, um, especially because there's three of you. And so it's like, hey, you and your wife, are in control of whether your home is a resting place. And in your own heart, I mean, that's you. Um, so like, do you have, and if you don't, it's okay, but do you have specific practices that you've implemented uh, to, to, I guess, foster an environment where the Holy Spirit is not grieved? Because I know, um, man, I, I don't know if it was – this is how my brain works, Cam, um, and all of the, you who are listening. I consume things, and then I don't necessarily remember where I consumed them, who said them, what I read it, where I read it, if I watched it. But I, I just have held on to this idea of, at all costs, avoiding grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And what can I do in my life to make it so that my decisions don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, you're creating a place in your home. I guess the opposite of grieving the Holy Spirit would be inviting to rest. Um, do you have yeah. tangible action steps that if someone's listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to do that. Um, not to say that you are perfect, but you are practicing something. That's like when people say that they practice Sabbath regularly. I'm like, tell us how. Like teach me, like teach, yeah. like like I can pick up one thing, I can glean something from you. So, do you have hi puppy? Um, 
this is a your dog just joined my dog uh, and people who have joined this podcast my dog hoagie is in the background of 50 percent of my podcasts um but do you have tangible things um are there things that you like i love hot water topics um that is so cool and that's something that i'm gonna put in um and and a happy marriage and a and a fought for marriage an intentionally fought for marriage creates a place of the Holy Spirit being able to rest there. Like, I believe that he, he loves, I mean, he created marriage and he honors God fearing marriages. Hot water topics could be an answer to that question. Here I go. Keep asking you questions and still talking. So do you have tangible things? Yeah. So like when I look at that, like I have tangible things and I'll talk about those, but I think the tangible things are only in response to our hunger. Hmm. Like I can have disciplines to read my Bible, to pray, to listen to sermons, to surround myself with things that are going to bring me closer to the Lord. But if those disciplines are disciplines because I want to make the Lord happy because I want the Lord to love me more because I feel like I'll be a better Christian if I do those things. And it's all coming from mm-hmm. here. Like it has to come from here. And when you like Jeremy, Jeremy Riddle has this song on his new album um, called Psalm 63. And in the, the chorus, he says, um, I've seen you. I've beheld your glory and I'm ruined. Wow. And so like when you've seen the Lord, like when you've truly seen the Lord, it ruins you and it changes your soul and it makes you want to be ruined over and over and over Mm. again. And I, you know, I'm not reading my Bible because I want, you know, to check it off my to-do list. I don't, I'm not reading my Bible because it's the good Christian thing to do. It's like, no, like I've seen him in his words before and I just crave to see him. Wow. Like if you think of it like, like uh, in Psalm 63, the, the song mm-hmm. that, or the, the Psalm that the song is kind of based on, like David says, like my heart and my soul, they hunger and thirst for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really easy to read your Bible. It's really easy to pray. It's really easy to choose to listen to a sermon rather than a podcast about movies if your heart hungers and souls or your your heart and soul hunger and thirst for the Lord. Mm. But you could like it's so it's easy to develop a hunger and thirst for the Lord when you've experienced the Lord. Wow. Like you go back and you look at um, the revival at Asbury. The the message was you cannot experience you cannot give the love of God unless you experience the love of God. Mm. And the whole call that people stayed for after is if you have not experienced the love of God in the way that you want to experience the love of God, please stay. Let's pray. Let's call that so that you can experience wow. that. Because when you've truly experienced the love of the Father, not just this theological, yeah, God loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. He sent us the Holy Spirit. But like when that makes that 18-inch journey and like, oh, he loved me. Like Jesus died for me. Like I have the Holy Spirit in me. Like Jesus himself named the Holy Spirit the helper. Yeah. 
like like I'll step out for a second, like theologically, like that's so crazy that the Lord named a part of the Trinity the Helper. Like he gave, like Jesus gave the name the Helper to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, like when when I think about this, like I can say, like, oh, here are opportunities where I can create a resting place for the Lord in my home. But I think if I'm hungry, I can't have a home that isn't his resting place. Dang. If I'm hungry for God, I can't have a home, but that's just saturated with his presence. Because if, if I've seen him and I can't, and, like, and I'm like, okay, like I've had enough of that. Like, of course my home is not going to be filled with that. I'm just going to go to church to get God. Yeah. Right? But if I've seen church, if I've seen the Lord at church, if I've seen the Lord at my life group, if I've seen the Lord, you know, in all these different places, how could I not want it also in hmm. my home? And so I'm going to say like, okay, what are opportunities where I can experience the Lord more, where I can spend more time with him? We talk about Christ like it's a relationship, right? You know, our relationship with God. It's all just about spending time with him. And it's really hard to spend time with someone who's not there. Dang. And so if the Lord isn't resting in my home, I can't develop a deeper relationship hmm. with him. But I have to say, okay, when I look at what are ways that I'm going about creating a resting place for the Lord in my home, they are things that cause me to spend time with him. I'm opening up you know, his word and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. I want to hear the words of my father today. Hmm. And I'm reading the Psalms and then the father speaks to me. Okay. I've seen the Lord again. I'm ruined again. Okay. I'm going to pray, but I'm not just going to pray for, for me. I'm not just going to pray. Okay. God, thank you for the state. These are my needs. Amen. Like, uh, I think, uh, Joel Figueroa from upper room, listened to a podcast from him and he talked about prayer and he talked about, um, this three-step prayer where it was thanksgiving worship and, and then intercession mm. where thanksgiving was defined as agreeing with who he is worship is agreeing or worship was agreeing with who he is thanksgiving is um agreeing with what he's done and then intercession is you know seeking after him but if you think about you know thanksgiving worship for what he's done so you think about the cross you think about the things he's worked in your life etc but then worship agreeing with who he is. Like you were talking about how your wife was talking about, like when we worship, we're going to worship vertically. Yeah. We're going to worship him. But, you know, David talks about this in Psalm 13. I've been reading a lot of the Psalms lately because I'm in my uh, chronological Bible, like right in the middle of uh, the end of David's life and the beginning of Solomon's reign. And David says, David's talking about the Lord at the end of Psalm 13. He's like, I trust you because of what you have mm. done. I will sing your praises because you are good. And in those moments, we see David, he is talking about the moments that God has worked in his life, that spiritual nostalgia. But then he also talks about, I will sing for your praises because you are good. And in, when he says, because you are good, that's a character trait that David knows about God because he spent time with him. You don't know a character trait of someone Unless you've spent time that you with, don't spend yeah. time with. Dang. And so when I think about this, it's all about how can I develop a history with God? And you develop a history with someone by having encounters with them. And the more encounters you have with them, 
the more trustworthy they become. I can say, oh, I trust in God because I've trusted in him a hundred other times. And it's so easy to trust in God. And people say, oh, how do you have so much faith? How do you trust in God in this really difficult situation? Well, it's like, okay, because I've spent, I've spent the time yeah. with him. Like I've been in the secret place with my father. Hmm. Like I've been ruined over and over and over again. And since I've been ruined, how can I not trust in the maker of heaven and earth in this situation? You know, he's, you know, the, you know, he says, I will supply all of your needs, not all your wants, but all your needs. Ooh. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Like what you just said, like, I will supply all of, I just read about this where like, uh, it's, oh, that's what it is. It's Philippians 4.13. It's Philippians 4, right before 13, where people read that, oh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, people have it. Not contested. I had it tattooed on my body. It still is tattooed on my body, but like I covered it up with this lion. So thank you, Branson Hoke. But like. The, that I can do all things who strengthened me right before that it says, and he will give me an, like everything that I need. So like sufficiently, like all that I require, not all that I want, not all, but because he gives me, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing Mitch phrasing because he gives me everything that I'm, it's, I think the word he uses is sufficient. Like he, he, he gives me enough to be, right? That I need. And because of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we take out that part because it doesn't look good on a coffee mug. But like what you're speaking to is like, he will give us what we need, not necessarily what we want. I love that. Cam, it's just about having this just relation and the relation because like he's good like he's just so good yeah he's so good and when you spent that time then you can realize oh man he is good he is as good as the words of this book say mm. and it does like it becomes more than theology be like all the time god is good yeah he's good all the time cool like i said that on sunday but do i like mean it in the depths of my soul yeah and that's convicting. That is, when you talk about being ruined, I think there's two parts of that. There's like, am I ruined in a good way? Like, oh man, like people are like, man, that wrecked me. Uh, like, like, like you said, like it wrecked me. It ruined me. And like, those are human language. English language is annoying because at the same time, I think of like, Lord. I I need you to identify the things in my life that are so gross that make me realize how good you are because I don't deserve the life that I live because of, and that's like a not so much fun ruined you. It's a necessity. It's a necessity, but it's like, and even as you speak, like you're talking about like God is good always. Like, do you believe it? And I think to like, dude, the last three weeks have been like, Oh, I guess by the time you listen to this, it'll have been five weeks. Um, but like have been real nut kickers for me. And I, I have struggled to remind my, I, I've, I've started, I do this thing called TYJ. Um, I have pages. I'm talking like 
an entire journal full of, I says, TYJ, thank you, Jesus, for, thank you, Jesus, for, for moments when I'm like, God, that wasn't good. And my little brain of perception doesn't seem good. I don't get it. I need you to remind me how that was good because it doesn't feel good. And so in those moments, I will go and journal. Thank you, Jesus, for my home. Thank you, Jesus, that my wife and I get to live in this home. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Thank you, Jesus, for my baby. Thank you, Jesus, for my marriage. Thank you, Jesus. And like over and over again, reminding myself, like, you are good all the time. But in my flesh, I have to decide that because I think, man, and maybe it's just me growing in my faith and it's my humanity, but there are times when I'm like, I think knowing something here, this is what you're talking about, knowing something here and truly believing it here, for all of you who are listening, you're missing out on Cam and I pointing at our head and our hearts, um, is something, and I'm just repeating what you're saying, but I'm processing. I can know that he's good, but until I relationally spend so much time with him, because like I think to my marriage, I've spent so much time in my marriage with my wife where she might say something or do something in a moment that hurts my feelings. And I just have to let it go. Cause I'm like, I know that you didn't like, that's not your heart. And I know that that's not you. I know, like, I know that that's not what you meant. And so like, or like maybe I misinterpreted the situation because I know that you love me. And like, why is it so much easier with our wife? Maybe it's because she's a tangible human um, and she's not like a God that you don't see. But like that same thing, like, God, I, this moment hurts, but I know that, that, that you have my good. And at the, like in the big picture, I know that it's good. I just don't see it. Um, Dude, you're like preaching to me, Cam. Good Lord. I was not expecting this when you came on. Over here kicking my booty. Um, yeah. Thank you. I think I got I got one little more small story. Yeah. Let me let me ask the question kind of so that you can share it. Cam, what is one thing yeah. um, before we wrap up um, that Holy Spirit is wanting? And you t-balled it for me, so I'm just gonna go backwards a little bit for the, that Holy Spirit's like, hey, share this before we're done. Yeah. So um, in the midst of all that was happening at Asbury and all this, uh, I kind of got a little sinus infection. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. People in Kentucky are like, oh, my allergies. Like there are stories of people are like, yeah, I moved to Kentucky and then I left because my allergies were so bad. Wow. So I had a little sinus infection um, the week that Asbury started. So it was like that mm-hmm. Wednesday. Um, so um, then my body just started breaking out in these hives, like neck down, just like whole thing, like bright red spots raised up, super itchy. Weird. I'm like calamin lotion, hydrocortisone, like all the things, doing all the things. And the Saturday, first Saturday of Asbury, where my wife and I go, and it was pretty nice at that point because we literally just parked like across the street and walked right <laughs> yeah. in. Like no long lines, nothing. So like blessings of being 20 minutes away, but like, we were there for probably 40 minutes because we brought our one-year-old daughter and like 45 minutes of revival was pretty much all she could take before <laughs> she was done. And, uh, I get that. Um, I went down to the altar, went down to the altar to get prayed over. 
because I'm like, if, if I'm here, like, I'm going to get prayed over for this because, you know, I believe that the Lord can heal me. So I went down got prayed, um, and had like bright red spots all over my chest. And the guy was praying me like, Hey, do you want to check and see if they're gone? Lift my shirt still there. It's like, let's pray again. We prayed again, lift up my shirt still there. And I was you know, like, thank you for praying. Like, at least I sought after the Lord with this that night. I literally went to the ER because I was so miserable. And so like Sunday morning at 2 a.m., I'm sitting in the ER and I'm having this existential crisis of like, like I prayed that the Lord would heal me. And six hours later, I'm in the ER, like drugged out of my mind with all these meds that are supposed to stop my itching and I'm still itching. And like over the course of the next week, it, started to get better. But like one of the things that the Lord was speaking to me during that, he says, like, he said, whether broken or whole, will you praise me? Mm. Hmm. Wow. And so like in these situations where it's like, when he says, you know, I will supply all your needs. Like, do I even need my health? Mm. You know, like, Oh, my car has trouble. Oh, you know, my daughter is sick. Oh, like these things are going well in my life. But it's like, even when my health is broken, like even when like I have to go to the ER because I cannot go to sleep for five, like for four days because of how itchy I have been because of this, like the Lord's still sick and like, even in this brokenness, will you still pray? Wow. And I think like when you've seen the Lord, when that ruins you, it gives you the ability to praise him even in your brokenness. Dang. I'm trying not to cry. Man, if you if you only knew this podcast, all of you who are listening, you think it's for you? It's actually just for me. I bring these people on to sit and preach to me. Um you're all just reciprocants because I record it. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But oh my goodness, Cam, I'm going to hit into this recording here in a second. And then I'm going to tell you why you just kicked my butt. Um, But until then, I don't even want to add to what you said because it was so good. And I, for those of you listening, and if you want to read about what I just, I'm going to tell Cam here in a second. I started a blog called Mitch Talks Mental. I'm not on social media anymore. Uh, everything I used to post, if you followed me on Instagram, I'd posted a lot of drawings, mostly so I could write about them. Uh, I decided that I hate Instagram. And so I still like to draw and I still like to write. And now they don't cap me at a caption, so I can write for however long I want. So there's a drawing and a, um, a story um, that... I think you should go read MitchTalksMental.com. Um, Cam. Dude. Thank you for coming on and for sharing your heart. Thank you for coming on and sharing your your story. Here's what I love about testimonies is if you listen to this podcast to this point, we're an hour in. Um, your testimony, sharing your testimony, there is no cookie cutter way. It, there is no script, there's no right, and there's no wrong. 
Cam shared his heart, he shared his story, and he shared what the Lord has done through him in his story. And that is a testimony. So it may not have sounded like, hey, I was raised in a Christian family, and then I did this, and then I did this. Now that's a testimony, but so is sharing over and over again where the Lord has been in your life. Um, And Cam, I appreciate you coming on and sharing and showing that testimonies can look any number of ways. Um, I, I think that, man, just for my own good, like you have, you have ministered to me through your testimony tonight. So thank you. Um, I say, I don't, I haven't said this. I don't think before truly, but like I say it all the time in terms, I say this part all the time. Like, when we record this testimony, the goal or this podcast, the goal is one person. There's one of you out there that I'm like, if you listen to this, then it was worth our time recording. And like, that was me tonight. And so I could start crying right now. Um, Cam, you rock. Thank you. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, go follow me on YouTube. I'm going to keep pushing that um, because... I I want to build that there. I want it to be a place. Um, I, I If you're on Instagram, there's no shame. I don't love it. But if you do and you have boundaries and you're good at it, then great. Um, share this there. Um, share this with a friend. Uh, I have really big dreams with this. I think it would be so cool to have like, you know, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Um I want sisterhood of the brotherhood of the traveling mic. I want to buy a hard shell case, throw a mic, uh, brand it up with stickers, throw a mic, uh, a, a light, and um, this cool thing that you can hook up with Max called the continuity camera. That's why my camera looks much better than it should. It's my phone used as a webcam. But my goal is to ship it around the country. I want it to send. I, want, I would love to send this to Cam him use it, uh, throw it in the mail, send me a Venmo request and ship it off to someone that he believes would benefit from sharing their testimony, someone that the world would benefit from hearing their testimony. But that costs money um, that I don't have. I don't know why I'm talking like this, but I, I do, I do have an opportunity for you to support this podcast. It's in, um, it's in my Instagram bio. If you're on Instagram, it's on, it's called buy me a coffee and then you could backslash over a drink. Um, it actually might be buy me a coffee backslash Mitch talk or Mitch Parsons creative. I'll put it in the bio. Um, but guys, you rock. Thank you for listening. Cam, you rock. Thank you for being on here. Glad to be here and just talk about what the Lord has done in my life and excited to see how the Lord works in other people's lives and the experiences that they get to have with the Lord when they truly understand who he is and the experiences that they can have outside Mm. of this religious Sunday morning type of Mm. thing. Yeah. And Hey, if you're listening to this, God doesn't care how you, I, I, he gave me this the other day. I was like, I wonder how far the Lord would run when it said, when he says he'll meet you where you are. There've been times that I have been far away. And I was like, God, how far will you run? 
And his response was, I don't have to run at all because I was always there. You just didn't see me. Um, so if you are sitting here today and you're like, I hear you, Cam, but I'm messed up. God's not going to care. He just wants you to spend the time with him. So until next time, peace. Peace.